It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Oh, indeed. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. And uh, check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. It's americhicks.com forward slash Kim. We will keep you apprised of everything that is going on. As Steve said, uh, fasten your seatbelts because we have a... Uh, a big hour plan for you today. And he said that to Ben Martin, who's in studio with me, because uh, we've got a lot going on. Ben Martin, it's great to have you back. I'm so happy to be here, Kim. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And uh, we're going to, in segments three and four, talk about the Federalist Papers. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I know. Soon. You have such a love for this. It's it, You just bring these things to life. And uh, we've been friends for a long time, right. Ben. Um and I hope that you are, are going to be able to bring back this class. I took two classes that you put together regarding America's founding heritage. And it just solidified so many things. And it brought these founders to life. They were, they were human beings. They, they weren't perfect. But they, they were looking for a perfect ideal. I mean, they, they were striving towards excellence. And uh, you just brought that so, so to life. And so I so appreciate that. Well, I'm so happy I did. You know that. That makes me happy because I wish more people knew that we'd have a better country. Well, that's why we're working on this. That's why we do this show. That's why we're having you in to talk about the Federalist Papers. And uh, so we'll do that in segments three and four. First and second segment, we'll be going through some headlines. And uh, I always I want to say thank you to Zach and to producer Steve and to Patty and to Keith uh, for all the work that you do to keep this train on the track. And I really, really appreciate you for doing all that. So let's jump in here. Uh, first of all, our inspirational quote. You know, we are now in uh, the NHL playoffs, and the Avs will start their next playoff series tomorrow. So I thought it would be great to do some uh, some hockey quotes today. So Gordie Howe, you know, he, was, uh, he played for 25 seasons in the NHL with the Detroit Red Wings, and he's often considered the most complete player to ever play the game and one of the greatest of all time. So you will want to uh, make sure that you tune in for the whole hour because the last quote of the day is most interesting. But today's quote is from Gordie Howell. He says, you find that you have peace of mind and can enjoy yourself, get more sleep and rest when you know that it was a 100% effort that you gave, win or lose. And again, you find that you have peace of mind and can enjoy yourself, get more sleep and rest when you know that it was a 100% effort that you gave, win or lose. So that's your inspiration for today. Steve, producer Steve, are you ready for the funnies? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Hold on, Ben. Okay, Steve, what was the hockey player's favorite part of his birthday party? The icing on the cake. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. What's the difference between a hockey game and a boxing match? Don't, well, sometimes I don't know. In a hockey game, the fights are real. <laughs> ah, good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, Steve, what do you uh, call a person who walks back and forth screaming one minute, then sits down weeping uncontrollably the next? I don't know. A hockey coach. 
Okay, we're going to jump in here with some headlines. <laughs> First thing. I'm thinking of something oh. I say that has the word Zamboni in it, but I can't think of anything. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll have to do some of those tomorrow. I found some great ones on that one. So, hey, uh, Tesla came out with their earnings for their last quarter, and they were awful. And uh, you know Tesla is my favorite company to hate right now because uh, Elon Musk, and this was an article that was like in 19, uh, let's see, 2015, excuse me. He had received with all of his different companies government subsidies at that point of $4.9 billion dollars. And uh, Tesla, you know, there's, you know, it seems to be this darling of all these people that want to push forward electric cars, pushing forward this agenda to get us out of our cars. And uh, Tesla and their uh, returns to losing money. This is the headline out of the L.A. Times from yesterday. Tesla returns to losing money as revenue, cash and other key numbers tumble. And uh, the, the first um, paragraph says, Elon Musk envisions a glorious future when fleets of Tesla robo-taxis earn money for Tesla owners and make all other automobiles instantly obsolete. The future, he said in a presentation this week, starts next year. <laughs> He's had several years. Can you believe it, Steve? No, and I'm thinking of what I think was you noted recently you were, you went to the airport to pick somebody up and you saw a bump was it a tesla it, it was a red tesla and the the um license plate was uh, y work yeah okay okay and you know let's let's connect some dots for everybody here because in colorado we are at the tip of the spear and what we see happening down at the capitol and also with Governor Polis, uh, we've talked about it before, but it's important that you understand this. That Governor Hickenlooper, shortly before he left office, used an executive order that basically it would push people into low emission vehicles. So this is primarily trying to push people into electric vehicles. Then when Governor Polis got into office shortly thereafter, he did an executive order to say that we want to get to zero emission vehicles. And uh, what this, in essence, is going to do is it says to the driving public that uh, we, wanna, we want you to buy electric cars. Now, they've used the carrot. There is a $7,500 income tax credit uh, from the federal government to buy an electric car, and there's a $5,000 income tax credit in Colorado. So $12,500. I look at the guy in the red Tesla and I know that he was able to click $12,500 off of his in- income taxes. I'm thinking he should be dri- driving me around because I'm paying for him. Uh, I'm getting a little hot on this because it's so frustrating. So they have this credit, and that has not totally worked because uh, people still like their, com- their internal combustion engines. They can you know, go over to the gas station. They can fill up. It takes a while to do uh, to charge an electric car. Their range isn't that... It isn't nearly as long, and if it's cold, the batteries uh, lose about 40% of their life. So people are saying, you know, I don't really want that. They're voting with their dollars. And even though we've had this carrot, so now with these executive orders, they put in place, and then, you know, May 10th is a really important day because that is when we're going to have our Stand for Colorado rally. And that's going to be on the west steps of the Capitol from 4 to 530. 
and you need to be there. Uh, we are bringing Coloradans together to stand for Colorado because we care. Go to the website, standforcolorado.com. Sign up so we can keep you apprised of everything that's coming up. We're getting all the speakers lined up. It's going to be really important. We chose May 10th because earlier that day, Governor Polis will be giving and touting all of the things that uh, this legislature and he have done at the State of the State Address that the Denver Chamber is putting on at noon. But earlier that day, the Air Quality Control Commission is going to start hearings, uh, and I think it starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. So if you want to make a day of being a Coloradan, show up there and testify, because they're going to start to implement rules, if you will, regarding these executive orders. And so May 10th is a big deal, and uh, be sure and sign up, standforcolorado.com. We do have a number of the issues there, and then the bills uh, underneath that, so you can read the actual legislation. And Ben Martin, we find that that is so important, you know, to to learn about the Federalist Papers. We're talking about that with our Vino and Veritas. But people, you know, turn the TV off and start reading. I really think that's important. There was an article, too, in uh, this Reader's Digest that talked about how important reading was, just the just the process of reading to to the development and nourishment of your brain. So well, that's, and, a good, that's another good thing. It is a good thing, but... I'm going to take it a step further. You, there's a lot of junk out there. There is. You know, and you need to make sure that you're reading good stuff. Now, certainly there's things for entertainment and read for entertainment, but there's, there is a bunch of junk. And we only have 24 hours in a day. That's right. And so we need to be careful about what we do. Every minute is precious. And so if you're going to read, you know, read something that really matters. Uh, or if you're going to read for enjoyment, don't read junk. You know, there's a lot of great literature out there. Steve? Couple that with what uh, Susan Kochevar shared with us yesterday regarding her new recruits that she gets every season, you know, high schoolers mm-hmm. and whatnot, and the reading comprehension level is taking a dive. Well, it has, and, you know, it is a crime that we are spending all this money in education in America today, and um, we're getting, you know, kids are graduating, and, and they can't really read, write, do arithmetic, or think critically. And so we really need to, to take a look at that. But uh, we're going to continue on our education shows as well. But uh, that's why uh, StanfordColorado.com. Be sure and check that out. May 10th is really important. And uh, I'm going to just challenge you all. I know you're, people are going to say, gosh, the west steps of the Capitol, it's, you know, it's rush hour. It's going to take some time to get there. There's also going to be uh, concurrent uh, rallies at, in Grand Junction and in Gunnison as well. Rose Puglisi, who is one of the, the those spearheading the national popular vote um, question that's going to be on the ballot, hopefully we'll get all these petitions signed. And you can sign petitions if you come to any of these rallies. She's heading the one up in, uh, in Grand Junction. And then uh, Jane Cheney's heading the one up in, in Gunnison. And uh, so really, really important that you show up. But, okay, I'm going to give you the whining thing. I don't want to go downtown because it's rush hour. I don't want to go downtown because parking's awful. It is, and it's because of, it's because of uh, public policy. But as many of you know, I, I also have a, a show, The World War II Project. This week, uh, I was uh, taping for the show that's going to air on Mother's Day. I had the great honor to interview 95-year-old Lieutenant Colonel James Harvey, one of the Tuskegee Airmen. And uh, in 1949, his team won the Top Gun uh, competition. And uh, he talks about, you know, being your best. 
and uh, I think of of what they did to to make sure all all these veterans to and, and you, I'm uh, Ben Martin. You're a former Army Ranger, aren't you? That's right. So all the things that you guys have done to make sure that we have freedom, and so my friends, I think that all of us can carve out an afternoon on Friday afternoon, March uh, May 10th, and get down to the Capitol, stand with others to to take a stand and show that we stand for Colorado, uh, because there are people that have shed. You know, there's time, money, blood, energy, all those things. We can do that on May 10th. I think you're right. I think we're right. So we're going to go to break here in just a minute. But uh, it is such an exciting time to be a uh, sports fan here in Colorado. So the Nuggets lead their series 3-2 with San Antonio. And game six is tonight in San Antonio. The Avalanche have advanced to the second round in their quest for the Stanley Cup. They're playing the San Jose Sharks. Game one is tomorrow night. And the Rockies beat the Washington Nationals yesterday, and they're heading out on a road trip. They're going to go to Atlanta and Milwaukee. And, Producer Steve, you know that Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Yes. Yes, it's the place to watch all the games. Wednesday's Wing Day. All the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine, and those smoked wings are delicious. The girls were over last night, yes, and we were. had them, and they were... Yes, they were. <laughs> and how do you know? Well, okay, we, we said this before. You and I live about two blocks away from each other, and, and these Wednesday nights, okay, the weather's getting a little warmer, so you know, I had the window open. And, and we I, did, too. I go to bed early because of being here early in the morning, and I had to get up and close the window. <laughs> It was. The girls were very on fire last night. Actually, our speaker was Pastor Christine Coleman, who uh, you know, she's a survivor of the Rwandan genocide. genocide. And so she uh, gave us an update on what was going there, going on there. And I- I'm sorry that we were so loud, you know, it, but it really was a great evening. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, we, we know you, you put out the goodies, and they are. They are good. Those Hooter smoked wings. So you can have them delivered right to your front door like I did. You just, uh, I'm signed up with Grubhub. I just you know hit a couple of buttons, and they show up at my door. The girls, I wasn't even at the door. They said the guy came up. He goes, these are for Kim, and then he ran back out. <laughs> and and uh, so you can have them delivered to your, your front door. You can stop by and pick them up and take them home or you know, with all this sports stuff going on. Fun time to go over to the restaurant and watch the game. So for more information, check out HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We're going to go to break. We have uh, Ben Martin, former Army Ranger, patriotic historian in, in the studio. We're going to talk about the Federalist Papers in segments three and four. More headlines in segment two. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and AmeriChick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at AmeriChicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. 
follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. It's AmeriChicks.com forward slash Kim. And also, while you're at it, sign up on StandForColorado.com so we can keep you uh, informed of everything that's going on there as well. We're going to jump into headlines. One of the, one of those, Uncle Joe is running for president. Producer Steve, what do you think about that? I've seen several comments already. I and, mean, you know, the day is young. But <laughs> questioning why a video uh, and so early in the day, what, what's up with this? And the whole delivery mechanism seems to be radically different. Yeah. yeah it, just stay tuned. It's going to, it's going to. It's going to be interesting. I mean, what is it? Is it 20 now that's running for president on the Democrat side? It's nuts is what it is. I, I don't, you know, there's got to be somebody who's in charge of the big, you know, Democratic approach here. And this is going to be such a sideshow, freak show for the next how many months? I mean, the primaries will start, what, a year from now? Probably. I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, there's only going to be one. Are, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to coalesce? How are they going to coexist? How are, how are they going to include everybody after they fight it out? How is we that going to happen? The, we know the way this system works, and they're trying to be palsy-wowsy now and just, you know, oh, yeah, I think, I think the world of so-and-so. But you, the name of the game is to set yourself apart. Yeah. So and, it's, <laughs> uh, it's going to be. Get some popcorn because it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we should get some popcorn from Susan Kochevar at the 88 Drive-In Theater because she has great popcorn, you know. So, okay. Let's, uh, let's see. We may not get through all these um, headlines. So, Steve, let's talk about John Caldera had a really important piece in Complete Colorado on page two regarding, uh, he says, progressives are codifying racism with the civics education bill. And uh, do you want to quote it? Go ahead and I think you were going to do that. Well, we know the term avalanche, but right now there's two avalanches. The one that the guys who play at the Pepsi Center, but the avalanche of bad legislation coming out of the Golden Dome. And here's another one, uh, HB 1192. Yeah, and what it is, it expands U.S. civics and history K-2 education requirements for history and civil government studies to add the contributions of Asian Americans, LGBTQ individuals, religious minorities, and the intersectionality of significant social and cultural features within these communities. Ben Martin, I, I got to ask you, uh, do you have a thought about this? I mean, you've studied history. What do you think about this? I just don't even understand what that means. You know, history is made, the history we get is made because the people were remarkable in what they did. Or what they did was remarkable, and they, and they became remarkable, and it became part of history. It was something to learn from. It was lessons. 
Uh, we don't just put people into something because of the category they're in. That's identity politics, and, and that doesn't work. It doesn't work in real history. You know, history has to be, like I said, something that, that is, this becomes remarkable, and it becomes remembered because it was remarkable over the time. It's not just, well, so-and-so. we got to include those people, too. Because it's a descriptor. And I think we were dancing around this a little bit the other day, and, and we've talked about this, but the identity politics... They take some descriptor, you know, whether or not it's, um, you know, race or um, sexual orientation or what. They take this descriptor. And then what they've been doing with our young people is they are, are, are making them identify with that group. They believe that, that that group, that descriptor, is who defines them. And that's not who defines them. Each individual is an individual, but they want them to be defined by a group. And a group never really cares about you. You know what? You as the individual are what matters. And that's this whole difference. And doing something remarkable is because of of who you are, the character that you have. And uh, like, for example, Lieutenant Colonel James Harvey, he was black, and there there really was significant racism at that time. Absolutely. But he didn't let that define him. He looked at it, and they knew that they had to be better because the equipment at the time, they had the old equipment, so they had to be better. So instead of identifying with the group and, and you know, wanting reparations or whatever, they said, we are going to be the very best that we can be. And so they won that Top Gun competition in 1949. Now, there was some other... Goofy things that happened with that. The trophy got lost. Uh, it wasn't noted in the almanac for many, many years. I mean, those were that's not good stuff. But it can't take away the fact that they were number one. Well, you know, that's the other thing. You talk about groups and you talk about being a member of a group. What our founders talked about very well was that when you become a member of a group, you lose your individual responsibility besides everything else. You lose your identity of your independence, like you were talking about, or your individuality, but you also lose your responsibility. And, you know, we talk about that over and over again in the founders and mm-hmm. the founding of our country, was that individual responsibility is key to your behavior and how you act and how you become the better person, just like what Gordy Howe said before. You know, if you're going to be the best person you can be, which is what Aristotle established and what our religion has told us, too, is to become the best person you can be. You lose that when you're in a group. That's true. And, you know, one other thing that Dr. Krenwitter said on Monday night at Vino and Veritas in Centennial at Waters Edge Winery was that people will do things, and I think this was in the Federalist Papers, people will do things when they're in a group that they would never do exactly. as an individual. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly the same. You know, and you have to have that individual responsibility. Otherwise, you do things that you you wouldn't do. You wouldn't want your mom to know about. But, you know, your mom doesn't know you because your name is not mentioned in that group. Exactly. And so this is very, very dangerous. Uh, and to have the Colorado State Legislature weighing in and forcing this particular curriculum. Steve, what do you think? Well, my hat's off to John Caldera. As a matter of fact, I think I want to become president of his fan club. But see, he nails it right to the Right to the wall here. For those, I'm quoting John now, for those not familiar with the ever-changing newspeak of progressive victim celebration, the intersectionality to be taught in U.S. civics means the overlapping systems of discrimination meant to keep oppressed people down. Because, as we all know, America 
not like most of the world, like Venezuela, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran, India, etc., is the shining example of systematically keeping people down. Well, tell that to Ben Carson, tell that to Herman Cain, or even Bill Cosby, I mean, before he shot himself in the foot. I mean, they all risen to the top. Obama. How, how, we, had, we had a black president. How did that happen? Yeah. It, and uh, so speaking of intersectionality, which the first time I heard that word was when I was on city council and we had a, a young student uh, talk about intersectionality and uh, making some presentation. I'm kind of like, I didn't quite understand that. But if you look at the new Green Deal, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it is right in there. They're taking all of these groups and they're trying to put all these kids into these different groups and then bring them to an intersectionality then to a, a common a, a common support of like the new green deal so ben ben martin i'm going to take that word back on may 10th we are going to have an intersectionality oh, of gosh. individuals who that lo- have looked at what is happening down here at the uh, capitol and it's going to be across the spectrum whether or not it's oil and gas what they've done to that the hypersexualization of our children with 1032, uh, with uh, the, va- the forced vaccinations that we're seeing. We're going to have an intersectionality of all these individuals coming to the Capitol and taking a stand and saying, we are watching, we care, and we stand for Colorado. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. So, I'm, I'm, you know, some people say don't use their words. I'm like, let's start to take this language back. They've, they've been taking the language. We need to take it back. Sounds good. Sounds is that a good plan? So, you know what? Let's jump over here, Jason McBride. We have him on the line. I'm I I'm a little hot today, huh, Jason? Yeah, yeah, that's good though. I like it. I like it, Jim. <laughs> I tell you what, by the end of the session, my blood pressure may be <laughs> may be off the charts. I don't know. So, but uh, hey, Jason, we talked about Social Security yesterday and and some of the challenges, but there are definitely uh, you know some of the things they're facing in the future. But there's and we went over some of the couple or a couple of causes of the the coming shortfall. Yes, we did uh, real quick. Kim, the long term, the ratio of workers putting money in to the ratio of uh, retirees taking out has shrunk. The experts say we need three to one to be stable. Right now, we've got two point eight workers for every one retiree. Uh, the other and more recent cause is the payroll tax, the amount that goes in. It's been frozen at 6.2% for almost 30 years. And then, of course, we also have a huge wage wave of people that are retiring right now, so the amount of outflow is increasing pretty quick. So, Jason, what's the solution? What are the smart people saying? Well, smart in quotes, of course. <laughs> uh, everything but the truth. Uh, there's no way you can keep a bathtub from draining if the drain hole is bigger than the spigot, Kim. You either have to plug the drain or get water in quicker. So all these, quote, smart people try to skirt the issue with just little tweak solutions. They don't want to come out and just say we neither need to cut benefits raise payroll taxes or both to fix a problem well nobody is too keen on either of those and most politicians don't want to say those things because voters uh, might like them less yeah even though that's hard to believe so they do (laughs) sneaky things instead uh like in 1983 when they added a provision that made uh depending on other income up to 50 percent of your social security taxable 
in 93 that went up to 85 percent now kim any taxes collected on those benefits is supposed to go back into the trust fund but part of it actually goes to the medicare trust fund and then in 2015 they did away with some of the flexibility on spousal benefits so jason you can only rob peter to pay paul for so long until peter goes broke so what kind of benefit cuts or tax hikes are we talking about well, here's some numbers, Kim. To balance the books over the next 75 years or so, uh, either benefits would have to be cut by about 17 to 18%. I don't think anybody wants that. Do you want that, Kim? Uh, well, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll just say that's probably a no. But, uh, the, or the payroll tax would have to go from 6.2% up to 75 Uh That's not a popular choice either. You know, the other solution, though, Kim, which the uh, smart academic types never seem to take seriously, is that if we really do have strong economic growth, get more people, especially young people, into the workforce, now that could put a big dent in the problem, too. Uh, but, you know, that's just another one of those ideas that was tossed on the garbage pile and poo-pooed as, well, that's never going to happen, uh, until Trump came along and said, well, why the heck can't we do it that way? Well, and, you know, Brian Dimitrovic, the economist, I've had him on. He's, uh, he wrote that book with Larry Kudlow. And, you know, we were looking at 4% GDP growth, which, you know, if we get to the, that point, like you say, you start to have more taxes coming in. And like you, like you're alluding to here, Dr. Dimitrovic said, that's going to take care of the problem. So I know you love to comment on jobs. Go ahead then, Jason. I know how much you love it when I ask you to predict the future, get that crystal ball out. But what's your best guess as to what Congress might do to address this? Well, my crystal ball is if they do something soon, and that's always a big if. I think you'd see three things. One, of course, simply they're going to raise the payroll tax a little, probably up to 6.5%. Uh, I think they'll add another income level bracket on the back end to make up to 100% of Social Security uh, benefits taxable. And, and then, for example, Kim, this year any earnings above about 133000 aren't subject to the payroll tax withholding. Uh, that threshold goes up each year based on the uh, increase in the average wages index. And I think they'll either arbitrarily raise the limit to a higher number or they'll change or rejigger that index or calculation so, you know, more of your uh, uh, income will be subject to the Social Security tax or they'll just tack on an extra surtax for higher earners like they did with the Medicare surtaxes with Obamacare. Okay. Uh, one more, I also think they might change what's called one of the bend points in the benefit calculation. Uh, and I think what they would do is they would slightly increase the benefit to the lower earners. So they'd maybe get a 2 or 3% bump. But then they'll slightly reduce it, maybe a 4 to 5% reduction for higher earners. And that one's going to be harder to make fly, but you know how it is, Kim. Mm -hmm. If they can mm -hmm. frame it, that they're taken from the rich who can afford it, of course, and given to the poor who need it so badly, then they might have enough support to squeak that one through as well. 
Okay, this is all so fascinating, and it's so important. So you guys have some Social Security classes coming up in May in Arvada and Lakewood. And how could people sign up for those? Uh, Very, very easily, Kim. One, you can just go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. At the top, click classes and sign up. Or you can just give us a call at 303-694-1600. That's 303-694-1600. And uh, talk to Natalie. Well, for sure. And uh, I I think it's really important. I mean, you can tell by the, the... depth that you go into on on this, that you have a deep understanding of this whole Social Security question, and it affects everybody. So, you know, knowledge is power. I'd highly recommend that people sign up for these. So, again, go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com and sign up for these so that you're going to be more informed on what's going on with Social Security. So, Jason McBride, thank you so much. You have a great day. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show. Bye, Kim. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, jump over here with my good friend, uh, Ben Martin, patriotic historian, former former Army Ranger, and we're going to talk about the Federalist Papers, so we'll be right back. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And coming soon, Vino and Veritas in Northern Colorado. Know why you believe what you believe and be able to have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues. The Americhicks with Kim Munson would like to thank Bullets Both Ways in Centennial and Auto Fireguard in Castle Rock for sponsoring this fascinating study of the U.S. Constitution. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. The mortgage process can be stressful, and with a potential increase in interest rates, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-517-7173. With over 30 years of combined experience, Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook of Home Mortgage Alliance have the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. They will remain available seven days a week and they will always respond quickly to your calls because they pride themselves on their excellent customer service. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-517-7173. 303-517-7173. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Uh, offering you a conservatarian perspective, be sure and sign up uh, for my emails. Go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim, and we'll keep you apprised of everything that's going on. And also, 
StandForColorado.com. That is the rally on May 10th on the west steps of the Capitol here in Denver on the steps of the old courthouse in Grand Junction and at the IOOF Park in Gunnison. So go to Stanford Colorado and sign up, and we want to join us. Be with us on May 10th. It's just really important because we are Americans. Uh, And uh, we're going to be talking a bit about the foundational ideas of America. In studio with me is my good friend, Ben Martin, former Army Ranger, patriotic historian, and you know the Federalist Papers, and you have a love for them. Do I very much do? So uh, James uh, Madison, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay wrote this to make the case for ratifying the Constitution. That's very that's very correct. And when we talk about reading, you had talked about that before, and I wanted to say something really quickly about that about the good things that you read. When you read this, everyone has always called this. This is the language of statesmanship. And when you read this, the first time you read it, maybe the second time you read it, it's sort of difficult to understand because we don't talk that way today. We talk in slang. And these people talk like they were talking to, they were talking to someone they respected, and that was the American people. We don't have a lot of politicians that feel that way today, I think, about the American people. No. These people did, and they knew history. They knew what was going on. And so when we talk today, I want to go back to 9 and 10 in the Federalist Papers because I think they need to be emphasized very much. You have to remember the anxiety that the folks like Hamilton and Madison are feeling at this time. They're not sure, like we are today, that the Constitution is going to be successful or that it's even going to be ratified. And so very much they have the anxiety and they have to make the argument against it. Now, when Hamilton first started with the Federalist Papers, he thought there would be 10 to 25, maybe. That's how many he thought would be there instead of the 85 that it ended up being. So we're talking about 9 and 10. We're talking about he thinks maybe he's halfway finished right now, and he has to make this important argument. And it can be said that this is the most important argument at the time because when the Federalists look out and they see the Anti-Federalists arguing against him, they also see not only the Anti-Federalists against them and against the ratification of the Constitution, but so is history. And so is political philosophy at this time. The people that they quoted most when making our, fa- our, our foundation of our government, as well as our Constitution, they, that was Montesquieu. And Montesquieu was against this. He said, in, in all of these people, especially Montesquieu, pointed to the fact that to have a, rep- a republic like we were trying to put together with the, dec- with the Constitution was was impossible. That's what they said. It wasn't improbable. It was impossible. This had never been done in history before. And the philo- all the philosophers that were political said, this won't happen again. And, and so they're thinking about this and they're saying, what can we do? How can we make this argument? And those arguments are made in 9 and 10, and that's why I want to go back to them. Okay. In 9, they talk about... They, they, about all of the different things. They talk about history. They go back to history and they talk about the the republics or the democracies, which we call them at the time, of, of ancient Greece and how they came together to defeat the strongest army in the world, the strongest military power, which was the Persian Empire. And then after they had had this great victory, 
that was unlikely at the time that that would, ha- would actually happen, then they go back and then they start fighting with each other. It sounds a whole lot like our history when all of our states, our independent states, came together and fought successfully against the strongest military power of the time, the British Empire. And then they go back to coming back together and living under this confederation that they have, under the Articles of Confederation, and and they start pulling apart. They start fighting with each other, and it looks like we're going to lose our nation that we put together through Mm -hmm. the Revolutionary War. And so they're saying, we've got to do something. So they start looking about making this argument, first of all, that... Republican government, representative government, is possible. And then not only is it possible, but that it is the best government out there. They save that really until the second half of the of the Federalist Papers mm-hmm. when they go into specifics about the government that we fashioned through the Constitution and why it's so good. But right now they have to make that general that that general argument, and they have to make it persuasive enough so that everybody will continue going through this ratification with them. And right now, you know, New York is really big. So those things, first of all, I talked about history, that we talk about those republics and they see what happened in the ancient Greek world. They see what happened in the Republic of Rome, which turned from the Republic to an empire and then went into civil war again and almost destroyed themselves. Uh, and then finally did destroy themselves and we lost the, the Roman Empire, which is the one that used the most. So that's history. And then we start looking at philosophy and we look most at this man named Montesquieu, Baron Montesquieu, who was a Frenchman. And he had said that it is impossible to have a Republic of such a large size that republics have to be confined to a very small area. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at any one of our states, but especially our big states, that was way too big for that to be possible to have a small republic. And and they thought that that's the only size republic that could actually exist mm-hmm. and be successful as a small republic. So they started making that, that, that argument at this thing, and they said, yes, it's true. We agree that what Montesquieu said and, and what history has told us that that's not possible, but we have an improved science of politics. And then he starts talking about that. And remember, these two... These two essays, number nine and number ten, are written by two different people. Nine is written by Hamilton, and then ten is written by Madison. But they achieve what they wanted to achieve by that pseudonym called Publius, and that this all came from the same mind. And so that was really important, too. When you read these, you can't tell... You can't tell that there's a difference in the authorship of either either one of these, and I think that's that's really it's important astounding. when we do that. It is astounding, and when you look all through the all through the Federalist Papers, all eighty five, it's really hard to tell that there was a distinction between the authorship. So that we talk about those things that that he talks about here, and we talk about the improved science of government. And I know we have a limited time, but I'm, so I'm trying to give you the most important things. And what was this new improved science of of politics which would work? And these are the things that they talk about, and and we talk about those in our Constitution very well. And we'll talk about them again in more detail in '51 when we. When we talk about the separation of powers and what the powers are. But the regular distribution of power into distinct departments. You know what? Let's let's have a cliffhanger. Okay. Let's go to break. And then when we come back, 
you can let us know what they were saying that the, are those important things. So we're going to go to break. I have Ben Martin in the studio with me. We're talking about the Federalist Papers. And want to make sure that you all know that this particular, these segments each month are brought to you by uh, the Harris family. Uh, they care deeply about the, uh, the Constitution and the Federalist Papers, and so that is why we're able to bring this to you is because of the Harris family, and I am eternally grateful to them for that. We're going to go to break. Ben Martin, let's continue on. on we're talking about Federalist 9 and 10 and why they're so important. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In this Friday for opening weekend of Avengers Endgame. Box office opens at 6 p.m. Friday, so get here early and claim your spot. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Co-features to be announced. Be among the first to see this highly anticipated movie, Avengers Endgame, this Friday night. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks uh, with Kim Munson, where we're dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Be sure and sign up for my uh, emails, americhicks.com forward slash Kim, and uh, check out my website, americhicks.com, and also sign up for information over uh, regarding our Stand for Colorado rally. That's standforcolorado.com. Uh, we're jumping back in here regarding the Federalist Papers, and again, thank you to the Harris family for bringing this to you. Ben Martin in studio, former Army Ranger, patriotic historian. We're talking about Federalist 9 and 10. 9 was written by Hamilton, 10 by Madison. You say these are so important. And um, Montesquieu said it's not possible. And they're going to they're gonna say it is possible. Yes, he says it is possible. And history has said it is possible. So they've got all this stacked against them. And then they're fighting against the anti-Federalists who are also are saying it's impossible. And they're citing Montesquieu and they're citing history. And they all know history, which is one of the things that, that we lack very much today. And what you were talking about with civics, it, it's the same thing. So anyway, they say in number nine, when they talk about the structure, they talk about the improved science of, of government, the improved science of politics that will make this possible. And Hamilton is making that. And he comes up with this, with these things are what he calls the improvements in their written, the improvements in the science of politics. And so I'm going to just name them really quickly so we understand. The regular distribution of power into distinct departments, which we have. You know, we talk about the three different branches of government. Then he talks about the introduction of legislative balances and checks. Not checks and balances, balances and checks. That changes later on in our language. The institution of courts imposed uh, that they're composed of judges holding their their tenure during times of of their good behavior. So we're talking about the independence of the judiciary. Okay. And then we're talking about the representation of people. 
which we have there in the legislature by the deputies of their own election. He says these are wholly new discoveries or have made their principal progress towards perfection in modern times. They are the means, this is a really beautiful quote that he has, they are the means and powerful means by which the excellence of Republican government may be retained and its imperfections lessened or avoided. So that is what number nine talks about. And, and, and it's a very good one. He uses a lot of this uh, the history lessons to talk about that we really can do this by using these things. And then he talks about a consolidated government. He says, you know, you have to have a government that has a strong central part that can direct things in timely fashion. And that's why you had to have a unitary executive. Mm-hmm. So he talks about having this. But when you have in the old, in the uh, history of governments, that when you have a unitary executive, he becomes a despot. Mm-hmm. And then everybody loses their liberty. So we had had a confederation before in the Articles of Confederation where everybody has more liberty and the, the power is distributed. Because they and were so concerned about a king. They were so concerned about a king because they had lived under a king and they didn't like that at all. They came away from that with these great principles of liberty in the Declaration of Independence, but they couldn't put it all together to make a good government. The Articles of Confederation was pulling us apart and uh, destroying what we had created during the Revolutionary War and with the, with the uh, Declaration of Independence. So then we go to number 10. And we say, okay, in number 10, we talk about you can't have this republic over an extended area. And so not only does Madison make the argument that you can have a republic over an extended, over an extended area, but you can also, it also helps you to defeat faction. And faction is what is the, the predominant destroyer of republics. And so he says, not we're going we're gonna to take what these uh, political philosophers said, uh, Montesquieu, uh, Thomas Hobbes, and we're going to say that we can make a republic, a, a, a self-government, because everybody said self-government was impossible. We're going to make a self-government over an extended period uh, or an extended area. So it's called extending the sphere, and that's what he, that's what the, People that look at political science have said over and over again that that was the greatest thing that we contributed to the science of politics, we as Americans. So, Ben Martin, this seems what they're talking about to uh, to to make factions less effective. Right. You know, but what what we're seeing over here, I think, with this intersectionality thing a, yes. with the identity politics is they they're working to create factions, aren't they? This is the same thing. Right. This is the same thing was happening back then that is happening now. Pulling apart and creating your own little factions, which is what the states were doing. They all wanted their independence and then they wanted to be able to manipulate foreign powers. They wanted to be able to have their own little agreements between other states that they liked against other states that they didn't like. And so we were pulling apart. We were having this, you know, what intersectionality or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know, but they were pulling apart by doing this. And so he said, how do we bring this back together? And so that's when they came up with this concept of federalism, where we have a state, we have a central government that can bring everybody together. We have a unitary executive that can make decisions quickly 
when it's necessary, when we're faced with an emergency or we're faced with a foreign power, we're faced with a war, something that doesn't conform to the normal administration mm-hmm. of the government. You have to do it really quickly and you have to have that. But And that's when we can bring all of these states together to consolidate it. But we have, what we have done is we've made not only what was talked about in number nine, but we're talking about now this enumerated powers that are limited by the national by the national government, and they're all seen for everybody out there to look at in our Constitution in Article 1, Section 8, where we talk about those are the limited powers, those are the ones that are expressed, that are enumerated in our Constitution. That's one of the things we've gotten away from in our, in our federal government today, the expansion of it, the statism that we talk about now, because we've gone past those in so many areas, and we need to bring that back. So they talked about that, and then they talked about the other powers that are not that are not enumerated in our constitution and are held by our national government all belong to the state government so that they can administer their local areas the way they want to and you know we have our states we have different representation in the states for their legislatures and we have different type of powers and we have different policies in every state and so they can operate those things the way they want to, the local things, but then they have to be able to come together. And so this is the best of both worlds. This is a combination, and this is what makes the argument that we can do that. And then the other thing he talks about, when we extend the sphere, we have a greater number of people with a greater number of interest and a, a greater, you know, more diversity, too, mm-hmm. to talk about that. But that doesn't make for... In this type of government, it doesn't make for more controversy, more reasons to pull the government apart. But what Madison makes the argument is that when you have such a large sphere, extending the sphere, remember I said that's mm-hmm. the principle, mm-hmm. the greatest principle that we contributed to the to the science of politics, You, it's really hard to get a majority together on any one of these special interests. You know, so so you can't have that. And that's what he's saying, that not only is it is it uh, possible that we can have a republic, a self-government over an extended sphere, but it actually makes it better because it defeats the the defeats factionalism. And so what you're saying, Ben Martin, is you you have the diversity of all of these individuals. Correct. And so what we're seeing now in America with this, quote unquote, intersectionality of pushing people into groups, as uh, Caldera mentioned in this article, then taking those groups and forcing, you know, curriculum and forcing the narrative. So what we're seeing is, is it's starting to constrict the different views out there because they're putting people in these groups and making them identify with that. And so what, <laughs> what's old is new. You know what? We've been here before, and we, I think we can take heart with this, is we've been here before. We have. But the thing that's differentiates us today is that our people do not understand the lessons from history and then that's what that what we always talk about if you don't know history you're doomed to repeat it and that's what i'm afraid is happening can happen right now if we don't do that we're trying to throw the constitution out we're trying to say you know we can do whatever we want we don't have to listen to those old white guys well those old white guys were very intelligent they were very wise and they had Two things that our Constitution says you have to have. This is what our Constitution is to support. Individual rights, 
That's the one. Mm -hmm. And the second one is the general welfare. And that's what the representatives that they elect were supposed to do. When you read 51 and you read 55 and they talk about what they're supposed to do, they're supposed to take all of these different interests that are sent to them and not to be responding only to their constituents, but to take what the constituents say and refine and enlarge the view so that it protects their individual rights, but it also supports the general welfare. And you can't just have something that only benefits Colorado or only benefits Utah or Kansas or whatever. It has to take their interest and refine it and enlarge it so that it protects everybody and everybody is treated the same. And those are the main things. And if we, and and they made this argument so well, Hamilton and Madison, that we do have our constitution and it was ratified and it's because of these two things. And, and we can't minimize what these two essays in the Federalist Papers meant to what we are today and what we were back then. Uh, ben Martin, this is a great conversation. We're going to continue it, and uh, but we're out of time. And again, thank you to the Harris family for bringing this yes. to you. And Ben Martin, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. This goes way too quickly, but it is. It's, there's nuggets of information are amazing. So, okay, Gordie Howe, great Detroit Wing NHL player. This is the quote. All hockey players are bilingual. They know English and profanity. <laughs> <laughs> so our thought, for, our thought for today is read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.